Welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing podcast series. This is part two of an episode discussing potential U.S. tax reform and how it may impact transfer pricing between the United States and Mexico. My name is Ben Brewer, and I'm joined today by Raul Cecilia, a partner and the TP country leader for PwC Mexico, Jorge Castellón, a principal in the PwC Chicago office who worked as a TP specialist in Mexico for over 15 years, and Mike Danilak, a principal in PwC's Washington National Tax Services and the former deputy commissioner in the IRS's Large Business and International Division. In part two, they will discuss the potential border adjustment tax, capital expenditures in the maquiladora industry, and the impact of tax reform on tax treaties involving the United States. Mike, why don't you start with the border adjustment tax? All right, border adjustment is a very new concept for us. Some people think about the regime that's laid out at a very high level in the blueprint as either a a, a pure consumption tax, uh, sometimes referred to as a destination-based cash flow tax, but the general concept is that the incidence of tax would be at the location of consumption as opposed to the current income tax system, which everyone thinks of as based on the location of production. So we'd have a shift in that regard. We certainly don't know what we will see in more detail when legislative language starts to come out. To what extent will border adjustment be applied and how? Uh, There are a lot of mechanics that will become very important. But the basic principle is that exports are favored in that they'd be exempt from the U.S. tax and Imports are in effect taxed, and we don't know the mechanics, how that tax would would be in effect collected, but most people talk about it in terms of simply just disallowing deductions against the U.S. tax for payments made for imported goods or services. It seems to me that for purposes of this conversation, we should focus a little bit on maquiladoras because the payments to maquilas are generally made as service fees being paid to you know, the Mexican operation. I believe the border adjustment regime would say you can go ahead and make those service payments to Mexico, but you won't, again, have a deduction against your final income from sales when those goods come back into the U.S. for sale. So that's kind of a broad outline of border adjustments and how they might affect the maquiladoras. And, and of course, any other Mexican imports would arguably suffer from this shift in, in the way in which the U.S. tax system would work. So what, what's happening in Mexico on this? I'm assuming it's getting a lot of attention, and, and what do you think the reaction might be? Yes, you're right, Mike. In Mexico, all the, the government, the maquiladora industry, all the, the, the society, I would say, it's uh, paying a close attention what, is, uh, what are the developments of the tax reform in the U.S., especially in this uh, issue of the border adjustment, considering, I mentioned before, the maquiladora industry are close to 4,000 plants in Mexico that uh, the main purpose is uh, to export the goods, and the highest or the greater of the exports are the U.S. The destination of those exports is the U.S. If that happens, the impact in the maquiladora industry and the U.S. principles, as long as we have this export-import balance, could be important. In the maquiladora industry, 
basically what is exported is the services, the labor plus the overhead in Mexico plus a profit margin, considering that most of the times the inventory and the fixed assets that are being used in this maquiladora is owned by the U.S. principal. So if that happens that the these services will not be deductible in the U.S. based on this border adjustment initiative and the U.S. company is not exporting or does not have a, a favorable balance between exports and imports, it could have an important impact in, in the operations. From a Mexican standpoint, we're looking closely. There are some voices in the outside that mentioned that at some point Mexico should impose a, a mirror treatment, not letting the companies uh, to deduct from the U.S. and, and, and exempt exports. But I think it's too early to mention this or to go deeper in, in this part. I think that would be important to see how this initiative develops in Congress and the several committees in Congress. And based on the final language, I think Mexico will have to react and eventually base or as part of a tax reform that would be result of the U.S. tax reform as well. I was going to add, and I think the impact on the maquila industry would be different depending on how the value components uh, in the process. As Raul mentioned, if you look at the maquiladora value chain, I think we could split the value creation in two. Uh, the conversion value creation, which is mainly labor-related, and the capital uh, value creation that is uh, typically uh, the ownership of assets, inventories, and IP, intellectual property, if any. And when we look at the maquiladora in that context, we would appreciate that the capital-related value creation is much larger than the conversion value creation. And because of that, I do think that the impact of the border adjustment in the maquilas would be not too much on how much is being manufactured in Mexico, but it would be more dependent on how much of the inventories and machinery that's owned by the principal has been imported by the U.S. principal into Mexico and is held in Mexico. So I think uh, what companies will have to do is to take a look at how the respective value chains are structured. For example, we know that if you look at the um, automobile industry, many of those inventories are components that are imported into Mexico owned by the U.S. principal but have been brought in from outside the U.S., uh, typically Canada or Asia or Europe. And even though Mexico is not exporting the components because those are held in principle, the border adjustment would affect the tax position of the U.S. company. So that we'll have to look and companies will have to take a close look at their whole value chain, uh, not only how much labor is being imported and how much is being paid to Mexico, but also uh, where those products are coming from, where those components are coming from. Right. That's absolutely right. Yep. And then, you know, obviously with respect to the, the capital investment that the U.S. companies are making, the last big item that I chose to mention was the expensing provision because it's contemplated under the blueprint version of tax reform that U.S. companies would be able to write off their, their capital investment. As you're pointing out, Jorge, that capital investment in the maquila industry is capital investment made by the principal that in many cases is the U.S. company or perhaps it's another country where you've got your principal currently, but that capital investment is made in the U.S. and would be written off in the U.S. But I think there's probably a question as to how that will operate mechanically and from a policy perspective as well in terms of whether you would have uh, the ability to write off that capital investment if that capital investment 
investment is in plant and equipment in Mexico as opposed to plant and equipment in the U.S. So that would be also a very, very important factor to take into account as companies do that full supply chain analysis, Jorge, that you're mentioning. Yeah, absolutely, because I think, as I mentioned before, in the more complex maquiladora structures where, where you have a non-U.S. principle, if that needs to be redrafted in a way, uh, the incentive would be to move back those value drivers into the U.S. And if you want to reinstate a U.S. principle leading the maquila operation, the U.S. principle, in order to keep the benefits of the maquila program in Mexico, will have to own the assets that are being used in the Mexican manufacturing. So if they can get an immediate deduction when they repatriate those assets or they purchase them, I think that would be an add-on incentive to move back those assets into the U.S. And I think we have to keep an eye on that to see what happens. Yeah. Maybe the last point to make on border adjustment, and it's actually kind of a fun one to think about. If the U.S. moves to a border adjustment system that's a full border adjustment system, let's call it that, where all exports are exempt, all imports are essentially subject to tax, one question that comes up is whether, from a U.S. perspective, transfer pricing is relevant at all in the future under that type of a regime, which is the fun thing to think about because, of course, anybody doing international taxes thinking a lot about transfer pricing at all times, but suddenly the argument would be that transfer pricing doesn't matter any longer because if exports are exempt and imports are fully subject to tax, we don't really care what the amounts are. And it's an interesting one to think about because, in effect, the U.S. would, you know, this this is a, a little bit uh, futuristic, but the, the U.S. would not care any longer how companies priced those cross-border flows. They'd get their tax when the product in its end state is sold in the U.S., and they would give up any tax on exports. So that's sort of a very high-level, fun way to think about it. But I think the other very important point is that, yeah, but transfer pricing is always a two-way street. And yeah. if the U.S says, well, we don't care about transfer pricing anymore, certainly Mexico won't be able to say that. Certainly Mexico will care, will continue to care, for example, what fees are being paid to the maquiladores. The, all the APA work that's going on now will continue as companies using Mexican maquiladores will continue to seek out from the Mexican authorities what the appropriate return to the maquilada activity is, um, et cetera. And maybe the, the fundamental difference might be that the U.S. won't be as vigilant on the other side, and maybe that one-sided nature of transfer pricing becomes a problem for U.S. companies in the future. So I just thought I would note that. You're absolutely right there. I think maybe it would be the case that for the U.S. perspective, it would not be transfer pricing would not be as relevant. But as you mentioned, it absolutely would still be relevant for the other side of the transaction, whether Mexico or any other country where the principal maquila is being held. I have another question for you there, um, and you mentioned treaties. This has to do with whether the income that is being taxed in the U.S. would still be under income tax that would be for the double taxation treaties that the U.S. has signed with Mexico and other countries. Right, and this is one of the most significant questions that one has to face at the end of the day when we're finished devising the system. Have we maintained an income tax system that is covered by our treaties, or have we so radically changed the, the way the, the system works that it becomes 
something other than an income tax, something like a, a value-added tax, a consumption-like tax, a tax on location of consumption rather than location of production. And I think it's unfair to ask me that question right now. <laughs> and, and, and the re reason being, I think it's it's probably one of the most difficult questions that the, the policymakers are, are grappling with. Of course, we have the World Trade Organization who will be well, it's probably already watching carefully what we do to ensure that our, our tax system is compliant to the extent we have an income tax that doesn't really operate like an income tax. Perhaps there are some issues to, to be addressed with WTO to the extent we end up with something that looks more like a hybrid where we have a system that has income tax elements where the treaties could still apply, but other elements that one might clearly call a VAT, then the U.S. would look an awful lot like most other countries in the world that have both a corporate income tax as well as a value-added tax. And on the value-added tax side, where the border adjustment piece would be, I would say there's already reciprocity because, as you well know, most VAT systems that I'm aware of at least exempt exports from that VAT and then subject imports to the VAT. So it's all going to come down to where our, uh, our, our folks in Washington who are working very hard on fashioning this come out. Yeah, great. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Rose. I think essentially what I see is that companies will have to review their supply chain. They will have to see how the value chain structure, the value chain and the supply chain. I think there will be opportunities for companies to restructure their supply chain. They'll have to have a deeper review. A lot of our clients are, are modeling the, the potential impact of the U.S. tax reform. We know that there is uncertainty on the issue, but I think what's going to happen is that the new incentives would provide for companies to have to reevaluate how, uh, where they own the assets, what functions are located in the U.S., whether there are significant assets that are held outside of the U.S. that will have to be brought back into the country. And from the Mexican perspective, I think Mexico will continue to be competitive in terms of labor. I'm actually uh, very optimistic about the future of the maquila uh, industry. I don't think it will be uh, impacted dramatically. Uh, they, uh, I think other industries might, but I think companies will continue to structure, I think, and I hope uh, under the maquila structure. I also think that there is a lot of uncertainty in terms of whether the new U.S. tax system would uh, qualify as an income tax system. I don't know, Mike, I asked that question, but I think there's no clarity there. I think a lot will come from what actually happens in the U.S. I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that or if you see anything that also would be relevant for our clients to consider. Yeah, well, uh, the only thing I would add is not so much a Mexican issue, but the other urgency for U.S. companies looking ahead at what may be coming has to do with this mandatory repatriation. And I know that a, a lot of U.S. companies are taking a, a good hard look and or should be taking a good hard look now at where their earnings and profits are, their accumulated earnings and profits, and what foreign taxes are in the pools with respect to those entities. And, and so that, too, is a, an important takeaway that the mandatory repatriation does require companies to be cognizant of the fact that they're going to have this tax at lower rates, but, you know, their foreign tax credit posture could be impacted by that initiative. So that's another one that I would add. But I completely agree with your summary, Jorge. I think from the Mexican standpoint, I think we need to monitor how this proposed reform develops. And from that, I think the Mexican government will have a very interesting time and they will have to do a very deep analysis how they change the rules in Mexico in order to competitive, in order to, to be 
party with the with the, with this uh, tax reform, and uh, I think we need to to wait and see what will happen in the following months. I want to thank all of our participants. That was a very dynamic and interesting conversation. Thank you to everybody who listened to this episode as well. If you'd like further information about these topics, you can email the participants, and their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode.